Wednesday, September 20th. This hour of Flamestock from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio is underway. Wes Gilbertson's here. Steinberg along with you. And training camp, as we speak right now, is officially underway. Fitness testing in the books. Green check mark. And all about the first on-ice session of Training Camp 2023 on Thursday morning. It's here. It's underway. Wes, it's uh, welcome back to hockey season. Glad to be back, buddy. It's good. It's 9 a.m. tomorrow on the ice. 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and uh, 1.30 p.m., I believe, are the three on-ice sessions. The Flames have released their training camp roster with some interesting wrinkles that we'll get into a little bit later on this hour. And, and some, um, hey, practicing what you preach. Flames have done a nice job of practicing what they preach. It's something we talked about, right? You uh, you say you're going to give the kids an opportunity. You say it at the end of May when you introduce Greg Conroy as your new general manager. You say it when Ryan Huska becomes head coach. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And then the way you prove it is to stay away from the contracts for established veterans, yep. to stay away even from the professional tryouts for names that might be more recognizable and that's exactly what the flames have done that training camp roster landed this morning without any surprises yep. and if you're matt coronado if you're jacob pelche if you're ben jones you know go down the list if if you're a guy who hears that there's going to be opportunity for the young players and thinks i'm in that mix this is exactly the news you were hoping for today more on that as the hour goes along, but as we start to preview training camp 2023, the preseason is like four days away. They play Sunday to kick off the preseason. I know it's something that coaches are like, yeah, you know what? It used to be you're on the ice for like a week and a half before you play three on ice sessions and they play their first preseason game on Sunday. A lot of things to see. And then a split into. squad on Monday. My favorite. <laughs> I look forward to the split squad every year. This year at Seattle, even better. Awesome. Um, <laughs> lots sense of, a hint of sarcasm yeah, there. Just, just did a, I? Just a Wait, Dad, did I get that right? Sarcasm yeah. On okay. the split just, squad game. You know, just checking. You know what, though? Every game matters the same amount. You're going to get the same type of coverage for all seven preseason broadcasts as you are for all 82 regular season and uh, hopefully uh, 28 postseason broadcasts that will bring. The Flames are going to win the Stanley Cup, and uh, go to seven games in all four of their series. Get the maximum Flames games that we possibly can this year. Um, did you read? Did advertising give you that sheet to read? Yeah. 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 You, you nailed it. Flames marketing gave me that right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we've got a lot to sink our teeth into. Let's, let's just start previewing training camp. And uh, you and I were talking before, uh, before we hit the mics today, and... Five burning questions, five 
five questions that are, and I think there's probably far more than five, but we've come up with our five to really dig in. If you've got more, get them in on the text line at 960-960. If you've got uh, answers or thoughts on the ones that we come up with, get them in on the text line. If you're listening live, 960-960, text line open all hour. I think the number one question that we'll be asking until they answer it for us is who's the captain going to be that that one will be, and we're, we're not getting into the, the contract stuff. We've kind of left that out of these burning questions because we may or may not have covered that over the last number of days, weeks, and months. So yeah. Who's the captain going to be? Can I think I, that's the number one question going in. Can I put you on the spot here? Yeah. I unfortunately was not in Penticton, but it's a, a great opportunity to just be around the rink, to catch up with a lot of people, to, you know, sort of ask what's going on. Did you come home with any different feel than you had going to Penticton about who the front runner or front runners for the captaincy might be? Uh, not really. Um, let me, uh, let me play you this clip from Craig Conroy because I asked him about that Monday in Penticton and we got into a little bit on the captain and how that's all going to how that's all going to shake down. I don't know if I did come away with okay. any clearer of a picture as to how it's going to go because you know Craig Craig makes it seem like this is still something that is very much organically going to have to present itself. I think one of the things is you know who makes that decision. It's not could I pick it? Could you pick it? We could all do it. But you, unless you're, I always am a firm believer in that room, they know they have to have some input on this. You know, they need to kind of, and, and, and Ryan Huska being there and, and no one day in and day out, being on the ice, being in the locker room, he, he knows, he, he has a, probably a better feel than me. In my mind, I know I have players that I think could do it, but who do the players think? Who does Ryan Huska think? I mean, it's not just one person making that decision. The one thing I do think is in a Canadian market, you, you, you do, need a, do need a captain. You need a voice. You need a leader. You need someone to take charge, you know, both on and off the ice. And it's, it's, it's not an easy job. Yeah. You know, and, and in good times, it's a little easier when you're struggling you know, not so easy. I mean, I used to, Jerome and I used to talk about it. Some days he'd say, Connie, I need a break from doing the media. I need a break. You know, will you mind when things are going bad? It, it's not easy, you know, but you also, and then you're trying to get your game going, but you're trying to help anybody who might be struggling in their game. Do you have a, like a deadline as to when you want it set or is it one of those things where you just let it play itself out here and, and you'll know when it's time to make that call? Yeah, I don't think we have a, you know, and that was the other thing. You don't never just want to, like I said, with anything, you don't want to just make a rash decision because, you know, it's an important thing. I think it'll play itself out, and when it's ready, um, I think, you know, Ryan and the team and, and myself, that it'll just happen. So I don't know if I came away from that or being around, talking to people. I, I don't think they've made up their mind. I don't think that they have a front runner. I think that there are there are a number of players that they think would be good for it. I think Michael Backlund is obviously one of them. Um, Rasmus Anderson, Jonathan Huberdeau, those are three names that I think absolutely are behind closed doors organizationally being kicked around. I know there's 
There are, are some in the organization who feel Huberto would be the perfect fit. You know, his personality, his contract, how long he's here. I think there are plenty who believe Rasmus Anderson would be a good fit. We know that players behind closed doors and sometimes on mic um, are, are very adamant that it's Michael Backlund who should be that guy. So I, I don't think that I'm, I'm any closer to naming a front runner in that regard. And I, I think that probably gives us an important answer in itself in that, you know, everyone wants to name a front runner and you and I have certainly said our piece on who we think might be the best choice or, or what circumstances would make so-and-so the next captain of the Calgary Flames. But I think what you're driving at and what we just heard Craig Conroy say during that clip and, and during that interview you did with him in Penticton is that they don't, this isn't a case of, hey, put the put the C on number four or number 10 or number 11 and just, you know, put it in the closet for a couple of weeks and then we're going to do a, a big announcement that, this is not a decision, and that and that sort of jives with everything that I've been hearing mm-hmm. recently. This isn't done. This isn't, oh, it's going to be so-and-so. It's just a matter of what day we announce it. I really don't think that's the case here. No, and I think the last time that they were in this situation, it was the case. I think they knew, in fact, I believe we're a decade to the day of Mark Giordano getting Man, named team captain. was that a decade captain. ago? I, I, I swear that's what I saw yeah. uh, earlier. Let me just I go. I guess uh, so. Go. Yep, 10 years ago on September 20th, 2013. My, uh, Mark Giordano was named captain right. early. No, training camp started a little earlier then, yep. but it was still in the early stages of training camp. And as much as, you know, I thought Glennie Glencross would have been a good captain and there were a couple of other candidates there. I, it was just so obvious that Mark Giordano, and, and especially looking back and knowing, you know, knowing how it turned out, but the groundswell for most was, yeah, Mark Giordano's the guy. Yeah. And I don't think there was really much question organizationally as to who that captain was going to be. This one feels like there's a little bit more internal debate and thus a little bit more reason to let it organically develop over the next number of weeks here. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out the internal debate you hear isn't, no, you couldn't give it to that guy. It's not, oh, no, 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 no. steer away from that guy. I think I think they do feel like they have several strong candidates. I, I agree with you and, and with Nikita Zadorov that it would be Michael Backlund with a contract extension, but I, I, the best of my knowledge is the Flames have made it really clear to Michael, contract extension and captaincy or neither. And to date, Michael Backlund has chosen to keep his options open as it pertains to his future. And so, you know, they're, they're going to have a captain on October 11th. We know that, but I don't think even in that locker room there's a real great sense of who it's going to be. You think there's a chance they start without a captain? And I'm not not suggesting they won't name one. I do think that they will have a captain this season, but if it's not obvious, could they start the year without one? Or if they're grinding away on a backland extension, but it's not done October 11th and, you know, it's getting close to the finish line, but maybe it's going to take a couple of weeks into the season for him to get the, the final check mark on signing it. Yeah. Do you wait? Do you wait and say, okay, well, we think we're close on backland. Let's get this thing done and then we'll name him the captain. Well, I mean, Craig Conroy told us at the end of May that you can't go into a season with seven expiring contracts and they're going in with six. And I I don't say that to poke fun at Craig Conroy. I I just mean, I think the new general manager, and it's not entirely going to be 
his call who the captain is, but I think the new general manager has made it known that they're not going to sort of be forced into anything. Mm-hmm. And, and so maybe this isn't different. And yet at the same time, that's a tough sell for me that when you have said over and over and over and, and we've heard the players talk about the importance of having a captain, you know, Rasmus Anderson has been very clear starting with his appearance on the 32 thoughts podcast. This is something we missed in the last couple of seasons was not having a captain. And so if you're not on October 11th, going to have a C stitched on a Jersey, you better have a damn good reason for it. Yep. So that's kind of burning question number one. Will they have a captain this season, and who's it going to be? Well, we know that, yes, they will. Question now becomes, and I think it is now going to start to play itself out over training camp, who that captain is going to be. You want to yeah, have a little fun and just answer these burning questions as we go? We can We can try. Make your call. Well, you know where I'm going. Eh, means... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna manifest it. Michael Backlund contract extension. Michael Backlund captaincy. I, we, okay. We, we we know how Flames talk feels about Michael Backlund. You? I. You know. I think if I was laying money, and I I've made it clear, I think that I I thought or think that Rasmus Anderson is probably the best choice. I think if I was betting money today, Jonathan Huberdeau. Okay. I don't think that's a bad bet. No, there's not a bad bet of, of three or four guys. No, in but this. just even some of the things that I've I've heard from a few people, I know there are influential people who believe that Huberdeau sure. would be a really good pick, really good pick for for that spot as well. Someone put it to me really simply the other day that Huberdeau had been doing a lot of captain type stuff. Yep, all summer. Yeah, not only just the way that he's prepared himself and the way that he's thrown himself into being better for next season, kind of a lead by example. I'm going to work my ass off and, and, but also reaching out to young players, reaching out to recently drafted players, all that type of stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. Some of the organizational type stuff in terms of when are we skating? When are we going golfing at Kananaskis? Yep. Sounds like he's had a finger in all of that. Burning question. Number two, how do they put these forward lines together? Because I took a look at the training camp rosters I pieced together some things that Craig Conroy said to me on Monday. I think that you know at least one line. There's no doubt in my mind that Michael Backlund will be centering Blake Coleman and Andrew Manchapani on on Thursday morning. That feels pretty set in stone. And I say that only because Conroy mentioned that as like, hey, we're looking to find chemistry and some lines you'll be familiar with and you can't really recreate chemistry that those guys have. Well, they're in the same group. They're in the second group. And I just feel like it's a pretty good chance that Backlund, Coleman, Manjapani will start training camp at the very least together. Mm -hmm. There's one. But what do the rest of these forward lines look like? And how are they going to put them together? Because, you know, you've got question marks about who Huberdeau is going to play with or who Lindholm is going to have on his wings. How some of these young players might slot in. Where the heck is Dylan Dubé going to be placed this year? Like, okay, if we can be fairly confident that the backland line will remain intact, and for good reason, that's a that's just a straight-up good hockey line. All they do is win their shifts far more often than not. What about the rest of these lines? And, and that's going to be one of the big-time storylines to watch play out because... They'll start a certain way. 
I'm curious how they end. Like, I remember the year that Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk, they weren't together almost at all during training camp. Yeah. Remember there was an injury, not an injury, there was a suspension to Blake Coleman, and he missed game one. So right. he missed his he missed his debut. I forgot um, about that. I was there in Edmonton when he buried got that to, poor kid. That's right. It's a little timing thing. That's Blake's Blake's timing was just a little off. A little off there, yeah. It's preseason timing. Yeah. Uh but Coleman missed the first game and it kind of changed the way the plans were going to go. Right. And all of a sudden there's Lindholm. Kachuk and Gaudreau together, and they played the rest of the season together and barely played together, if at all, I was gonna in say, training camp. It was a big story when they were broken up for like 30 minutes in Carolina the yeah. one night. They, literally, I think they played like all but two periods yeah. away from each other yeah. that year. And, and I guess the burning question can be phrased two ways. You know, we, we can use the rosters that came out today to sort of debate what we're going to see tomorrow. There's plenty of hints and and then there's, well, what are they going to look like on October the 11th? Because I think there could be a, a big difference. Like tomorrow morning when you hear that Yegor Sharangovich is on a line with Huberto and Elias Lindholm, and I don't know that for certain, but I know that they were leaning in that direction. When you hear that it's going to be Yegor Sharangovich, that does not necessarily mean it's going to be him on the mm-hmm. top line, right side on opening night. Could it be? Absolutely. But I really do think, and it's going to be part of the audition process for young guys. I think you're going to see a lot of different iterations during this preseason. I think you're going to see Matt Coronado in a bunch of different spots. I think you're going to see even Walker Dewar, not necessarily as young, but a guy who I think has some people after last season questioning whether his ceiling is fourth liner or if there could be a guy who could potentially slot onto a third line for you. I think you're going to see Jacob Pelche, a guy who's yet to prove he can produce at the NHL level, but has really impressive offensive stats in the minors get a look in some different scenarios. And so that's a really fascinating one for me is how your forward combos are going to look at various points, but then what you settle on. Well, and and one thing to remember is that there are kind of practice lines that they go with, and then rosters get all shuffled and juggled for the preseason games, right? And those lines look different. You know, sometimes maybe say say for the first three days of practice, it is Backlund, Coleman, Mangiapane together for all three practices. Well, decent chance that you know one of those guys doesn't play in the preseason opener or the the Monday split squad. So you just maybe have Backlund and Coleman and somebody. And then they put a a Hodzek or a Coronado or somebody else on that line, and and that you see a lot of shuffling and mixing and matching once you get to the preseason lines compared yep. to what you're seeing in practice. And I think I think your point about the young players is very important. Go take a look at that first group that they have for um, for young players. Hanzek, Pelche, Coronado, Zeri, all in that group. And I think all four of those guys are going to be given opportunities in high-leverage spots with, you know, established mm-hmm. NHLers. Yeah, and I, I think it's important, too, to, to just keep in mind a lot of the training camp groups at times can be sort of skewed towards special teams as well. Yes. We, you know, we want these guys to get work as a power play unit. So let's have them together. We want these guys to 
be working sort of together as a, a shorthanded unit. So let's have them together. And so that could be part of it too. But I, I do think you're going to see, you know, you talk about, we can address that line, the Coleman, Backland, Manjapani line. You could not run that line at all in training camp and feel pretty good about putting it yep. together on opening night if you wanted to. Yep. And yet I think Andrew Manjapani is probably a guy that you might want to see on the right side of the top line. He's a guy that you might want to put back in a tandem at some point and see one thing we didn't get in, in season one of Nazem Kadri was really chemistry with any wingers that lasted. So maybe Andrew Mondrapani as a guy who has proven he can finish off his opportunities. Well, maybe you put him back there. He, he gives you sort of a real comfortable fit on a third line. And, and yet he's a guy that you want to see if you can maybe maximize in different ways. And yeah. so you're going to see him, I think, bounce around. I, I, The one thing that for me is just so vital in this training camp is trying to find some chemistry between Jonathan Huberdeau and Elias Lindholm. I think so much of what the Calgary Flames do offensively this season, and that includes on the man advantage, is really going to depend on finding a little bit of a spark there. It's something we didn't see at all early in last season. And then something that we didn't really get a chance to see a lot later in the yeah. season, really at all. And, and from early November on, they like maybe played five periods on the same line. With yeah. One another. And if there's one thing that I just think is absolutely vital coming out of this training camp and, and it's not something you can force necessarily, but I think if we're sitting there on October 10th and that, duo has not shown signs of chemistry even if it's not chemistry yet with a third guy on that line if there's some hints there that they're starting to understand each other a little bit better that there's a little bit more of a click there i think that would be a big deal for these calgary flames i agree you your best center and your best left winger yeah it would be really good if they could work well together on a line and Find somebody who fits on the other side, whether it's Sharon Govich, whether it's Manjapani, whether it's Dubé, any number of Coronado, any yep. number of players that you could see eventually working there. If you can find what Lindholm and Toffoli found last year with Lindholm and Huberdo and chemistry and, and who clicks with who is a fickle thing and all of the, well, this seems like it would really work on paper. It sometimes doesn't Sometimes matter. it doesn't, yeah. But I also think it probably could have, not probably, it definitely needed more time last year. And I, I just, I don't think it ever was given enough time last year as the Huberdo nightmare season rolled on. I'm just going to keep putting you on the spot here because mm. I'm enjoying it. Give me one trio you want to see at some point during camp. Um... I definitely would like to see Kadri Dubé Coronado. Okay. Yeah. And 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 I'd like to see that as a line that at some point in the regular season if Coronado earns his spot that you use as like a scoring line. You know what the bat so if that means Backlund Coleman Mangiapane, you know what they are. Yeah. You put them out in defensive situations against good opposing lines and you expect them to win that shift and they usually do. And then you have the Lindholm line. Maybe it's Lindholm, Huberdo, Sharon Govich, and they're a number one line. You just use them in all situations whenever. And then you've got with, with, you, with two good two-way lines, like a Lindholm and a Backlund line, now you've got 
this opportunity to roll out Kadri, Coronado, and Dubé against opposing third and fourth lines, give them some offensive high ground, start them more in the offensive zone, and see if those guys can eat a little bit and see if you can, you know, shelter Coronado a little bit with a really good center like Kadri, maybe get Kadri's confidence level going a little bit, get a little more offensive swagger, let Dubé get a little more offensive swagger. All of a sudden, I think you could have a really good secondary scoring line that could be pretty dangerous. So yeah, Kadri, Coronado, and Dubé, I'd like to see at some point. I, I'm not convinced right now that I don't like your idea better, but I want to see Coleman, Backland, Coronado. Okay. I think Matt Coronado is a guy who has a lot of the traits, and, and I, I guess I can say I know because I've had the discussion with him. You know, certainly looks at Andrew Majapani's game as a roadmap for how he's going to have to play at the NHL level. Did you hear Conroy's comparison of Coronado to Camilleri? I did not. Yeah, he said that on Monday. Okay. And, and Vickers, Vickers was sitting, so I was sitting here, Conroy was here, and on the other side, and the old, uh, the other piece of bread in the Conroy sandwich was Vickers. Yeah. And as soon as he said it, I saw Vick's eyes light up, and he starts to nod his head. And as Interesting. Soon as Conroy leaves, he goes, Geez, I can't unsee that now, the yeah. Coronado Camilleri comparisons. Anyway, it's very interesting. You know, I, I have to admit, I haven't had a chance to listen to that interview. I did, as you know, listen to your Ryan Husk interview from Penticton, and it was terrific. Uh, I'm going to go back and listen to that Conroy one. But I, I'm curious, uh, intrigued maybe would be a better word, to see Coronado with two proven veterans, two guys who you know you can count on. And I don't see that as a sort of permanent fit. Yep. Like you're talking about, I want to see Coronado in, in more of an offensive skewed role eventually. But I think that might be a really nice starting point for him. Two very reliable guys to yeah. you know, help the responsibility. And yeah, if you got one of those guys in each year on the bench, yep. you're going to, you're going to learn a lot and you're going to be playing with two really supportive guys two guys who have proven that they can really yeah. nurture a young player along. I, I just think there's a lot of reason. One of which is that uh, I want to see Andrew Bonjapani given a chance to really put up numbers offensively. I wouldn't mind seeing Coronado in that spot. Interesting. Nope. I wouldn't mind that either. Um, okay. Burning question. Number three, how are, how are things going to be different under Ryan Huska? And I and and I think that there's the off ice, like the the positivity or or the approach or just the overall air vibe of the Calgary Flames. How will it be different under Ryan Huska? And you know, just as interestingly for me, and more quantifiable is how are they going to look different on the ice? We we came to be very conditioned in two plus years of, of Daryl Sutter as the head coach of this team playing a very certain way, shot volume, smothering, extremely hard for check, tons of time on the attack. Uh, a lot of times, especially last year, that time on the attack didn't equate to a ton of quality opportunities, but the year before it did. And they, they shot the lights out. So we, we came to a very effective and, and I still think quite modern way of playing the game in a lot of ways under Daryl Sutter, Ryan Husko was an assistant under Sutter for two plus seasons. So what's different? How do things look different under Ryan Huska? He, uh, 
This is what he, I asked him about that on, on Saturday when he joined us on Flames Talk, and he kind of gave us a little bit of a synopsis as how he wants the team to play. There's a style of game that our team is going to need to play to have success, and that's one where the players for each other play. Players play for each other, um, if that makes sense, not just with each other. So there has to be a commitment from um, each of our players to make sure they're doing what they have to do to set the other person up beside them in the room to have success. And then from there, it's you know you learn over the years by watching the game and from other coaches that have had a chance to be around. Um, you win by keeping the puck out of your net. So that's going to be a big priority for us. Um, but then we're going to shift to, to trying to get our players to understand situations where they can anticipate the play a little bit more, where they can, um, I don't want to say cheat, but they can they can get going the other direction quicker so we can play a little bit of a faster brand. And then it's making the right decisions as we're entering the offensive zone. So we want our guys to be creative. We want them to value the puck. Um, but we want to be a team that has an attacking mentality when we have okay. it. So as soon as there's a turnover, the expectation is that puck is going to the net. Whether you're in our own zone, we're getting up the ice as quick as we can, or in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone. Whenever we get it, the mindset has to be we're going to the net. And I think that's one way where we'll be able to um, generate some, some opportunities and, and hopefully find a way to score some goals. So, sounds like... a. Uh... A lot of similarities in terms of the way they've played over the last few years, but more of an onus on uh, quickness, more of an onus on maybe generating a little bit better and differently on the offensive side of things. Maybe not just predicated on pucks, 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 pucks towards the net. Maybe a little bit more selective as to where you're taking the puck before it comes off a stick is kind of what I picked up there from Ryan Huska. Yeah, and I think that makes perfect sense. We we've heard the um the term shot volume a lot over the past couple of seasons and we know that that was a uh, sticking point I guess for Daryl Sutter. It didn't work offensively for this team last year. They it was a lot of low percentage yeah. shots that that really weren't testing a, an NHL netminder. And so it felt like with all of what was going on last year with all of the growing pains and adjustments and it just felt like that wasn't the right tonic for the group last year and the right way to play. Yeah. Whereas the year before with a more established core that had been together for a long time, I, I think it was the perfect way to play. And so that's, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting how it didn't work one year and, and worked outstandingly sure. the year before, but I do think it's a different group now. So a different way of playing is, is important. I think. Yeah. You know, when, when you mentioned that you wanted to <clears throat> touch on this uh, and I know we kind of agreed, this would be certainly one of the five burning questions. The word that just has stuck with me as it pertains to what's going to be different under Ryan Huska is consistency. And that's consistency, both on and off the ice. Dar part of Daryl Sutter's, Coaching tact was keeping guys sort of unsure of what to expect next. When's he going to come in the locker room and let us have it? Cause he says we're not playing well enough. When, when's he going to play the mind games that Tyler Toffoli was talking about? You know, Oh, we're going, looks like we're going to win sport tomorrow. Yeah. What, you know, there, that was part of how Daryl Sutter operated was, sort of keeping guys uncomfortable, thriving with some inconsistency. I think Ryan Huska is going to be very opposite. I think 
Ryan Huska wants this group to know what they can expect out of him every day. And what I'm curious about now is whether he sees more consistency out of the group because of that. And, you know, he talks about creativity. Well, part of what stifled the creativity of Jonathan Huberto and others last season was, I think, fear of making a mistake. Now, Ryan Husk is not going to be promoting mistakes on the bench, but if you know that you can be guilty of a giveaway trying to be creative, and as long as you bust your butt back, you're going to be out for that next shift, I think that could have a different approach. And I'm not trying to bury Daryl Sutter by any stretch, but they need something different. And I do think Ryan Huska acknowledges that. And I think a way he will try to achieve it is just be very level, very consistent. You know exactly if you're a Calgary Flames player, what the expectations are, what the reaction is going to be. And I'm curious to see if this group responds to that. I think they will, but now, now is when optimism gets put to the test. Starting on October 11th, listen, every team, there's 32 teams feeling pretty optimistic for one reason or another going into this season. That's going to get put to the test in October. Burning question number four. What should we expect from Oliver Shillington in his return? He'll be part of group two uh, on Thursday when the Flames hit the ice for day one of training camp. You can almost bet that he'll be on a pairing with Chris Tanev, who is uh, uh, in that same group, which I love. What are I, the odds on that one? Uh, I would I'd like minus six hundred. Like I'm not. I, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going like. I don't know if I'm going like Notre Dame versus um, like Middle Tennessee State yeah, odds. I would. Even even okay. So like yeah. minus six hundred. Like that's still a good money bet. Then you got some value on that. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, not even middle Tennessee, like middle southeastern, western, <laughs> upstate Tennessee. Tech. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot uh, the tech. Yeah, That's an important addition. I I here's here's what I expect from Oliver Shillington. I expect him to hit the ground running. I really do. I I know he's been gone for a year mm-hmm. and I know that he missed an entire season, but this is a guy coming back on pretty much even footing. I don't know how much of a difference there is between starting training camp after missing a season. So that would be what, uh, you know, the eight months of playing and then four months of the summer or coming to training camp after four months of the summer. I I don't know how much of a difference there is. Uh, And and like what what you're saying is at some point, you can only accumulate so much rust. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's not like you're... It's not like you're coming in when everybody else is at 100% sure. speed, right? It's not like it's not like he missed a season, then missed training camp, and is coming back in November when they've already played 15 regular season games. He's coming back with zero preseason and regular season games, as is Chris Tanev and Mackenzie Weger and Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson. He's coming back at the same... So lots of guys have come back after missing a season, after tearing an ACL or uh, or, or an Achilles or whatever, mm-hmm. and they've come back and, and been elite hockey players again. Like, how many times have we seen that in any sport? That, yeah, you miss a season, but then you come back for the next training camp and you don't miss a beat, you're still the same guy. Yeah. So... We're not, we're, we're not talking about a physical injury for for Oliver. 
I'm not really worried about him being too far behind. You know, I'm not really worried about the learning curve being that much different compared to anybody else because of the timing of the whole situation. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that it's a, a question that is going to sort of loom and, until we see some some real game action. How, you know, how has the layoff impacted Oliver Shillington? I'll, I'll tell you this much, and and I know the old saying: no cheering in the press box, blah blah blah. After taking an entire season off to put the emphasis or or to focus on his mental health. I think every single person in this city wants to see Oliver Shillington yep. pick up being the player he was two seasons ago now when, when he was one of the best breakout stories in the NHL, when he was a guy who went from sort of buried on the depth chart at the Saddle Dome to suddenly a top four, top four guy. Yep. staple, a guy who was a real pleasant story for the Calgary Flames that season. I, I There's not a single person you will talk to who doesn't want Oliver Shillington, doesn't hope for Oliver Shillington to be back to that point. And I, I know that there's a lot of optimism at the Saddle Dome that he will be. It's just, it's a fair question. He isn't a guy who had a ton of seasons in a row that he was one player. And by that, I, I'm not, that's not put very well. But what I'm trying to say is he... He had one season at a different level than we'd seen him in right. the past. Where he was established, right? Yeah. It, it, he's not a guy who was, was the same player six seasons in a row before that. I don't think he's still obviously a young man. I don't think that's reason to doubt that he can pick up where he left off. But it, it certainly is fair to ask the question going into tomorrow and going into his first preseason appearance. The Calgary Flames are counting on Oliver Shillington to pick up where he left off. Having Chris Tanev by his side is only going to help him do that. Yep. And I'm sure I speak for an entire city and fan base when I say, man, what a great story it would be for the Flames and for Oliver to do exactly yeah. that. Agreed 100%. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really rooting for the guy, and, and I hope that he can uh, pick back up where he left off because that was one of the great stories. And I know there was so much talk about Markstrom that year and the top line that year, but Oliver Shillington was one of the really great stories and a big reason why the Flames were able to take the steps they did. They Because of almost single-handedly, not quite, but a huge part of Daryl Sutter and Ryan Huska being able to roll out the same three pairings like a baseball lineup every single night. Such a huge part of that was Oliver's mm-hmm. progression. And Good Branson helped in it that year. Obviously having Anderson and Hannafin be the pairing they were helped. But you kind of had a big-time question mark going into that year. Who's going to solidify the six? And Shillington answered that question. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned Ryan Huska. Ryan's worked with Oliver going back to the start of his pro career. You know, so Oliver Shillington is going to have a comfort level for sure with the head coach. He knows exactly how the head coach likes to play. He knows exactly what sort of expectations Ryan Huska has for his defensemen and for his teams in general. I, I think you can glean something from the fact that the Calgary Flames haven't really picked up an insurance policy on the blue line with all due respect to Jordan Osterley, a guy who is really going to be a seventh defenseman. And so it's, 
you can tell that they have a really good feeling about Oliver Shillington stepping back in because they haven't kind of gone out of their way to make sure that they have a replacement in case he can't pick up at that level. And I also know talking to certain guys around the team, it sounds like there's been a ton of communication lately between teammates and Oliver, between staff and Oliver. Everyone seems to feel like he's really excited to be back, to feel like he's in a really strong place. And I think all of that is going to help him to pick up where he left off. Burning question number five to wrap it up. What young players, and this is a rhetorical one that we don't know the answer to, and, and it's tough to even speculate on. We, because We know the answers to them all, don't we, Pat? This one, maybe not. Okay, I'll give, uh, you know what? I'll give myself 80% of the answers, and I'll leave 20% what I don't know. Okay, um, What young players are in a spot here? What young players come in and can actually crack the roster? And I think... There's a number of different names that you can point to, whether it's Pelche. Is Pelche a full-time NHLer this year? We think so, but he still has to earn it. I think he's got a leg up on others, Mm -hmm. but still has to earn it. What about Matt Coronado or Connor Zary? Let me jump in on Pelche for a second, because I, I, I really think a lot of what people are wondering in Jacob's case is whether he is a guy who's producing or whether he's a fourth line, whether he fits in a, a top, six or top nine capacity, or he's a fourth liner. But I think you're absolutely right. Maybe we're all getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because the first step is just to be in the, in the 12. Yep. Now he should be, but he's a guy who has had his struggles at training camp, who has put a lot of pressure on himself in the past and not performed well in the preseason. Do I think that's going to be the case again this this fall? No, I certainly don't. I think the comfort level he has is going to make a huge difference. But he really has to show it. Yep. It's good five burning questions. I think that we did pretty well on those. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you there. You were just getting going on your young guys. That, that's Zary. I, you know, Conroy talked about how they're going to get Connor Zary along. Yeah. And we know Pelche, we know Coronado, Sam Hanzek's in that first group. Like they're going to give guys a look, and not not because they're like we need you to make the team, but so they can see and so they can determine whether or not they need to sign a veteran, right. or not. I mean, the one year they I, I keep going back to it. Tree signed Yarmer Yager because nobody earned that spot, and you know, selfishly, I wish they would have signed Yager in like July so that he could have been you know, more prepared for the season. And then I think it would have been better. But that being said, they went the Yager route because nobody earned a spot in training mm-hmm. camp and they signed him late in the year. So I, I, I'm just really curious to see how it plays out because they want to see and they want to have a book on it. Let's just add one name to the list and, and he better put himself in, in the mix of young guys who's going to get an opportunity to earn a spot. If Adam Ruzichka shows up to this camp thinking that he's a shoe-in to be in the opening night lineup, I think he's going to put himself behind the eight ball right away. Yep. He better show up ready to fight for a spot because, yes, it is a fresh start going to be good? And when I say fresh start, I mean a, a new coach. Is that going to be good for Adam Ruzichka? I, I think absolutely. And yet... Ryan Huska is going to want to see the same things Daryl Sutter did, right? More pace, more competitive, win some more one-on-one battles. And so 
Adam Ruzichka better look at himself as a guy who's fighting for a spot as well. He's Wes. I'm Pat. Those are your five burning questions as training camp gets underway. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Tower rolls on. Steinberg and Wes along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The Flames have officially released their training camp roster on this Wednesday. 64 players, including 35 forwards and 22 defensemen. That leaves seven goaltenders split up over three groups you can go check out the flames website wes and uh and my twitter like hey, go anywhere flames related you'll find the groups and you'll see the training camp roster and one of the big questions a lot of people had knowing right from the get-go in his introduction as general manager of the calgary flames right from the get-go craig conroy talked about wanting to get younger and not wanting to necessarily backfill spots before training camp with veteran players, either on PTOs, he mentioned names like Cody Eakin and Sonny Milano, or contracts like Brett Ritchie signed, I think on day one of training camp or whatever it was last year. And so we all wondered whether or not they were going to add a veteran or two on a professional tryout or sign somebody early on in training camp or late in the offseason Well, the answer is we got, when taking a look at that training camp roster, the answer to that question is no. No veteran PTOs and no late veteran signings. Which I guess is, listen listen to this from Craig Conroy on Monday before training camp started. I said, is your roster set or are you going to be adding any PTOs? And this is a really good uh, example of practicing what you preach. You know, there's always, you're talking agents and you're talking players, but it really is about... You know, we kind of said we're going to do something, and and as right. much as it'd be easy to add a couple PTOs right now, yep. You know, I think we want to see these guys. We're going to give them the chance. The easy thing would be to add PTOs, but again, is that is that the model in my mind? Probably not. No. So he didn't lie to me. That's very nice of him. Check mark. No lies. Yeah. Uh, which you don't really expect from Conroy anyway. Uh, but I just it's it's. You hear that, and you go all the way back to May when he talked about it, and and as he said right there, we said we were going to do something, so let's do it. And that is not always easy to do. As he said, the easy thing would be mm-hmm. to add a bunch of PTOs, um, but they're going about it this way. It's kind of a, and, I, and this is not a shot at how it was done before at all, but it is new, and new is refreshing. It's kind of a, a different, refreshing way of going about your business if you're the Calgary Flames under this new regime. Yeah, and it shows a lot of faith in the in the kids because I think if, if the circumstances were different, if it was just PTOs, because contracts are, are a, a different conversation, but if the Calgary Flames this morning had announced a couple of players who have played you know, a couple hundred games in the league at forward were coming to training camp. And the the sort of message was, these guys are here just in case our young players aren't ready. I don't think there would have been a huge uproar. And so to not have any of those guys here, to not... And you can sign a guy to a PTO at any point. So 
that ship hasn't sailed. But to not bring anyone in for the first day of camp on a PTA, PTO, I'm sorry, shows a ton of faith, a, a yep. ton of confidence in your young guys. Yep. You know, you you could have this year's Cody Eakin hanging around and knowing that as long as the young guys played well, he wasn't going to get a contract offer. But this is another step in just showing how much you believe. It's a message, right? It like really it's a, is. It's a, hey, here's another kind of quantifiable, empirical piece of evidence that we believe we believe in you, and we want to give you a chance. And and I think they're trying, as opposed to, I had a couple of people, I, I, I tweeted out that quote earlier on this Wednesday, and I had a couple of people saying, well, wouldn't bringing in veterans push those young players mm-hmm. and add to the competition level? And I think that that's fair. It's a fair question. But I think what the Flames are trying to do is instead of pushing them that way, using kind of the other way of pushing them, what belief and encouragement and there is an opportunity. We're not going to block the door for you. Go out and do it. And you can always add somebody late. Right. They signed Brendan Morrison and Christopher Steeg both at the end of training camp when they were on PTOs on other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, BMO was in Vancouver on a PTO. They're like, yeah, we're not going to sign you. Daryl Sutter was like, let's get that guy. And same thing with Christopher Steeg. And they both had really good runs as members of the Flames. And so you can always do that later. See if you can't empower your young players right now and, and see if this lights a fire under them. Yeah, and there's the waiver wire as well, right? There's always yeah. teams yeah. at the end of camp trying to slip guys through. So if you feel like you have a spot to fill, that's not necessarily the worst place to to try to find some value. And I just want to, I want. I know we don't have too much time left, but I want to add one more thing. In addition to not having PTOs, I really like that Ryan Huska has chosen to mix up his groups for the first day of training camp, that we're going to see Connor Zary on the ice at the same time as Elias Lindholm, yep. that we're going to see a mix of the young and the established, let's say, because not only last year did they have Cody Eakin and Sonny Milano in training camp, but they were working with the sort of big league group from day yep. one, while guys like Jacob Pelche were skating on the Wranglers' top line in the second group. Yep. And so it's not just about who you bring in. It's about actually saying there's an opportunity. This isn't, Hey, Jacob go skate with Matthew Phillips. You guys could have a great year down in the A here's your opportunity. And I like that part of it as well. He's Wes on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Cam and Taylor, our producers this hour. Don't forget. There's still an opportunity to get heritage classic tickets for October 29th. Tickets still available at ticketmaster.ca slash heritage classic. That's ticketmaster.ca slash heritage classic.